our, uh, this morning is from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Here now the reading of God's word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by, uh, stood by them in, in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. He is risen. I want to continue reading verses 13 through 16 in Luke 24. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. This is the word of the Lord. And we can say he is risen. He is risen. Okay. You know, in, God, in John's gospel, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, in these chapters, Jesus has been preparing his disciples. He's been saying something like this. I'm about to go away. I'm going to go away and then I'm going to return again. And I'm going to be with you for a period of time. I'm, I'm with you now. I'm going to go away. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to be with you. And then I'm going to leave you again. I'm going to be with you in a different way after I leave you that second time. Up to this time, Jesus has been with his disciples for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for three and a half years. And Jesus has been saying something. One of the, one of the uh, Bible studies we did in California on uh, Wednesday nights was through the book of Mark. And we focused in on how many times Jesus said this. I'm going to be handed over to sinful men. I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to be raised on the third day. How many times had he said that 
to these men. He's going. He's with them physically every second of the day. And then he tells them, I'm going to go away. He's talking about the cross. Then I'm going to come back. He's talking about the resurrection. Then he's going to be with them. And we can read the Bible backwards. And we know that he will be with them for 40 days. And then he's going to go away. He's going to be with them in a different way. He's going to be with them in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is I want to answer a question today. And it's this. How are you, how are we to recognize the resurrected Christ today? How can you recognize him today? We're going to recognize him by the power of the Spirit. But I want to find that for you here in these texts. We're looking at these Emmaus Road disciples in verses 13 through 35. And you and I, we are to recognize the resurrected Christ as he opens the Scriptures. As he opens the Scriptures. In our text, we have two Emmaus Road disciples. They're on their way back from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's a seven-mile walk. Now, most of the time, you know, I used to be all into having to exercise, and I know that people, the normal average walking speed is 3.3 miles an hour. Did you know that? <laughs> I know that. So anyway, so anyway, there's 3.3 miles an hour. That's how they basically uh, estimate how quickly somebody can get across a crosswalk, 3.3 miles an hour. And so that I know so much more about this stuff anyway because you learn about it in exercise. If you walk one point something miles an hour, you're not going to make it across, you know. All right. So if you're walking about 3.3 miles an hour and you're seven miles away, you're going to get home in probably two hours if you just keep on going. But these folks, these two disciples, they've just experienced the worst weekend of their lives. This is the first day of the week, remember? This is Sunday. This is the first day of the week. They've just experienced the worst day of their lives on Friday. The Lord Jesus Christ, their prophet, he is dead. They thought he was the redeemer of Israel. They thought he, he was the man mighty in words and mighty in deeds. And their man is dead and they're sad. <laughs> and so most likely they're not walking quite as fast. What's on their minds? Well, these things. Did you read how many times it says these things? Verse 14. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached <laughs> And he began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They're talking about him. Jesus walks up to them, and they're talking about him. They don't understand that that's who's in their prayer. They don't, understand, they don't know who the stranger is. Why did God divinely keep these disciples from recognizing the resurrected Christ? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Why? I think there's a reason. It's because it allowed the resurrected Christ to teach them and it allows the resurrected Christ to teach us that He is going to be around, yes, for 40 days, but He wants them and He wants you and me to be convinced of the resurrection from the Scriptures. Are you hearing me? To be convinced from the Scriptures that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We're going to get to the physical stuff in a minute, but we're looking only at the text right here in front of us. You and I today, we are to recognize the resurrected Christ as he opens up the scriptures to us. And so they're walking with the resurrected Christ and they don't know it. But he's with them anyway. And they're talking about him. And you know... Um, it's really cool. These guys, listen, we had that 
Our Bible study goes on right over here. And, uh, you know, one of the things we always do, <laughs> we always make sure everybody gets their part in the conversation. We always want to say, you know, hey, um, do you want your part in this conversation? Everybody gets a part. Everybody can. Well, Jesus is going to get his part of this conversation. And so what he does there in verse 17, he says to them, what are these words, verse 17, what are these words, these words about the things that you're exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answers and said to him, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Is that what he said? Are you the only one? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have t happened here in these days? And he said to him, Jesus is going right along with him. What things? He knows everything. What things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, and in sight of God and all the people, how the chief priest and how the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him, but that we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it is the third day since these things happened. And then in verses, what we see is all these guys are sad. Remember, they think Jesus is a political Messiah. They think Jesus is going to come and set them free from Rome the same way Moses, quote, set the people free from Egypt. They think that's what they're looking for. But now Jesus is dead. Now, this, this is where they keep on going in verse 21. Indeed, besides all of this, it's the third day since these things have happened. In verse 22, 23, and 24, they, they lay out everything that happened early in the morning. So they're going to tell the, unresurrect, the unrecognized, resurrected Christ that early in the morning, some of the women went to the tomb. And they were going to put the spices and the perfumes on the body. But when they got there, the stone had been rolled out of its groove. I like that statement. Rolled out of its groove. Somebody rolled it out of its groove. They went inside, and what was present and what was absent startled them. What was absent was the body of Jesus. What was present, two angels. And what do those angels say? They said, he is risen, just like he told you. <laughs> Don't you remember? And so he is not here, they said. Remember how he spoke to you? Here's that story again. While he was in Galilee, here it is again. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again from the dead. Then they came back and told Peter and some of the others and Peter and the others went to the tomb to see if it was true and they came back marveling. Nobody. Angels. These two disciples did not believe what Jesus preached while he was alive. These two disciples did not believe the women. These two disciples did not believe what the angels had said. These two disciples did not believe what Peter and John came back saying. They're obstinate. They're willfully not believing. And then in the midst of all their unbelief, the unrecognized, resurrected Christ is going home with them. Now, if you heard what I read there, are you the only one? <laughs> one of the Cleopas sort of takes a tone with him. Well, can I say that maybe Jesus takes a tone with them? Look at verse 25. He said to them, and this is a rebuke, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. 
Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning from Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They do not know it is him. And now he's taking the word of God. He's not taking physical evidence. Not what, We're not there yet. He's taking the word of God and opening the scriptures up to these men and showing them this is true. And the Bible tells us, if you look over here in verse 32, when they are explaining these things to their friends later, verse 32, it says, They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? What was going on inside of them while Jesus is opening up the scriptures? Their hearts are on fire. Maybe good, maybe bad. I don't know. What's it like for you? Sometimes when you take the scriptures in, it's sweet to your taste and it's bitter to your belly, right? These guys are probably being convicted and probably enjoying all of this explanation at the very same moment. (laughs) Who does this guy think he is? And yet I love what he's saying. Have you felt that way? And so here he is. He's explaining all the scriptures to them and their hearts are on fire. The physical evidence is coming. But right now their hearts are set on fire by Jesus' words opening the scriptures to them. And let me show you something else. And so Jesus, as this is all playing out, it says there in verse 28, and they, as they approached the village where they were going, Jesus acted as though he were going farther. Oh no. He's going he's to keep going and we're turning in to go to Emmaus. Oh no. And look what they said. But they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. Why did God keep these two Emmaus Road disciples from recognizing the resurrected Christ? Because he wanted them to recognize him with the scriptures as they are opened and explained. And this resurrected Christ wants you and he wants me to recognize him as the scriptures are opened, as they're read, as they're preached, as they're taught. So many times people come and they'll say, well, you know, it would be so much better if I was with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It'd be so much better if I was with him for all those three and a half years. It would be so much better. These guys didn't understand it after three and a half years. They're not better. I think we're better. I think we have so much. We have so much to be happy about. Look at what we have. We have all of this in our hands. And so Jesus, before he ever gets to physical evidence, he's opening up their hearts to see the truth in the scriptures and their hearts are on fire. He's not putting the emphasis on the flesh, the body. He's not putting the emphasis on seeing him first, but he's putting the emphasis on the word that he rose again. If you go read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what's the gospel? The gospel is Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead and he ever lives to save those who come to him. It's right there. I'm not saying that physical evidence is not important because it is. But you and I, we need to recognize Jesus in the Scriptures. Now, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. The Scriptures are the testimony of certain things, right? Maybe it cuts us. 
Maybe it breaks our hearts. Maybe it gives us comfort. Maybe it powerfully changes, washes away our sin, gives us a new heart. This word comes to us and brings excitement that we are saved from sin and Satan and death and hell. This word is powerful and it's living and it changes and transforms our lives. Are you convinced by the opening of the scriptures that Jesus is raised from the dead? Are you convinced from the scriptures? Well, let me uh, give you a test. Here's the test to see if you are convinced that Christ has been raised from the dead. Notice verse 29. Notice verse 29. When Jesus was about to depart and go farther, look at verse 29. They urged him, saying, stay with us. <laughs> what? They didn't want him to leave. If you've recognized Jesus Christ in the Scriptures, do you want him to leave? Do you want him to leave you? Well, you shouldn't. If you recognize him, you plead with him to stay with you, right? You drop everything that's all around you and you stop and you say, I was talking to these men the other day. I've got guns. I've got guns I've never, I haven't seen in 12 years. I would gladly let them go not to lose this. Drop everything. You drop everything. You drop everything to take care of your kiddos. You drop everything to take care of your wife. You drop everything. You don't want Jesus to depart from you. If you know the resurrected Christ, you will do everything to stay close to him. You will say, stay with us. Now, one of the things about this passage is this. This, is, this has to do with translation. Um, some translations say he urged them. And then it says some of them say urged him saying. And some translations leave saying out. That's redundant. Well, I like redundant. Don't you? Have you ever had your husband tell you the same thing before again? I like, I like it. They urged Jesus saying, stay with us. How many times did they say it? I don't know, but they said it more than once. Stay with us. I can't live without you. Jacob is wrestling with the Lord in the fort, at the fort of the Jabbok. He's got everybody away. He's by himself. He's camping by himself. And the Lord comes and visits him. And the Lord says, let me go for the day is dawning. And Jacob says, I will not let you go. <laughs> Unless you bless me. I'm not going to let you go. There's a story in Matthew 15 about the Syrophoenician woman. And, I, and this is really this is one of these stories that just really gets me because in Mark chapter 7 it says that Jesus is trying to, trying to escape being noticed and Jesus is probably exhausted. He's probably exhausted. And he's going into this house trying to escape being noticed, but he can't, be, he can't escape being noticed. There's a Syrophoenician woman who has a demon-possessed daughter and she finds Jesus in that house and she sits there and she says, would you please cast this demon out of my daughter? And Jesus says not a word. Jesus, wear your manners. You need to put on your manners, Jesus. Jesus says not a word. Then she goes farther. She keeps saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And he says, it's not good for the for me to give the children's uh, food to the dogs. Now he calls her a dog. Well, that's not nice. That's not good manners, right? Kids, you would never call a woman a dog, would you? And you know what she says? She doesn't stop. She says, 
Even the dogs love the, food, the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then she gets down on her hands and her knees and she cries out, Lord, help me. And he did. What's going on here? Do you want Jesus to depart from you? Or do you say, stay with me? Jesus, sometimes he, he tests us. He doesn't say anything to us. He, doesn't, he waits for us to ask again and again and again to see if we really want it. So here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 20. He's leaving Jericho, large crowds uh, following after him. And these two blind guys start crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. We want to see again. And the crowd goes, just be quiet. You know what they said? <laughs> they got louder. These two fellows got louder. And so then Jesus, he calls them up there to him, and they start crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus asks them a question. What do you want? <laughs> well, you know what he did, they didn't do? Don't you see what we want? They just said, Lord, we want our sight. And he gave it back to them. I think... That if you recognize Jesus Christ as he opens up the scriptures to you, he's the resurrected Christ. There's, there's the test. The test is, will you say, stay with me? I can't stand to not have you with me. I've got to go through this life with you. Second, you and I are to recognize the resurrected Christ as he opens your eyes. Not only as he opens the scriptures to you, but as he opens your eyes. It does get better. These Emmaus Road disciples, they've asked him to stay. And verse 30 says, he reclined at the table with them. He did it. He stayed. Hey, will you stay? Yeah, I'll stay. I'll turn in. I'll, I'll come into your house. And it gets better than that because all of a sudden, instead of, you know, you think Jesus is going to be their guest. Jesus turns into the host when he gets into the house. You know what he does? The Bible says here that he did, he did this. He took the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. He gave them the bread. It gets better. He turns into the host. And in fact, it says in verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. What did they recognize? What did they see first? Hands. I think this is so important. Especially for this. They saw the hands. They saw those hands go through that normal sequence of events. This is significant. Let me tell you why. Number one, these disciples were witnesses to something we will not see. And these disciples are teaching us how to recognize the resurrected Christ today. Let me take those in order. These disciples were witnesses to something you and I will not see. What did they see that we will not see? They saw the hands. They saw the body. They saw the resurrected Christ. They saw evidence. They saw historical proof of His resurrection. Yes, their hearts were aflame, but now they see the hands. They had heard the women say that there, there's no body. They had heard the angels say, He is risen. They had heard Peter and his friends say that, hey, there's nobody in that tomb. And now they see those hands. They have evidence and later on in verses 30, verse 39, when Jesus is talking to all of them later on, he says, see my hands and my feet. That is, I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them 
his hands. Again, he says his hands and his feet. Earlier, Jesus did not rebuke them for their unbelief. But he did not say this. He did not say believe without any physical evidence. He gave them physical evidence. He opened the scriptures and he opened their eyes. These men didn't believe the evidence. But God, but Jesus Christ stoops to their weakness and he shows them his hands. How many times? How many times had they seen those hands serve them? How many times had they seen him take loaves and fish and break them and give them to those 5,000 and break them and give them to those in the 4,000? And now they see his hands and they recognized him. This is something that you and I are not going to see until Jesus comes. What's important for us to realize is that you and I are not being asked to believe something that didn't happen, that there's no evidence for. The Bible, I, I, I didn't write them all down, but I'm going to tell you some of them. Mary saw Jesus physically raised from the dead. Peter saw Jesus physically raised from the dead. These two Emmaus disciples saw Jesus raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that over 500 people saw Jesus at one time raised from the dead. So many more, only some I'm giving you. But the point is this, Christianity rests on something real. Real evidence. And J.C. Ryle writes this, if we choose, this doesn't listen to this statement and compare it to what you hear today every single day. If we choose to deny the truth of these accounts, we may deny everything in the world. Do you believe facts? Because see, if you don't believe these facts, what you do, what you do, is you make up a story. And you believe a story. That is what is all around us today. Rest assured that Christian religion is founded on real historical realities. He is risen from the dead. Now, these disciples, we disciples today learn from those disciples back then that we are being taught to recognize or see the resurrected Christ in the Lord's Supper. They're not the only ones who are given sensory evidence that Jesus has been raised from the dead. These elements are sensible signs and seals of the resurrection. Sensible. What does that mean, sensible? It means that we can see them. We can touch them. We can taste them. And so they're not the only ones who have physical evidence. Jesus gave us some audiovisual signs and seals of his resurrection from the dead. Think about it like this. The th three days before Jesus goes to the cross, he institutes the Lord's Supper and he gives them the bread and he gives them the wine. He goes through the whole sequence of taking bread and blessing bread and breaking bread and giving it to them. Now he does it again that morning or that day he was with them. And now today he's doing it with us. <laughs> he's doing it with us. Paul tells us that we are to do this meal how often? Often. Some people do it every week. We're to do it often. And every time we do it, Jesus is saying, this really happened. 
Remember, this really happened. This is something that really happened. My body was broken. My blood was poured out. How he was recognized by them in the breaking, verse 35, of the bread. Not the face. How he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. It's those hands. It was that sequence that they'd seen over and over. This is surely what Dr. Luke wants us to understand opening the scriptures, and then seeing Jesus in the bread and in the wine. We don't deserve it, do we? But he gives it anyway. Well, finally, you and I are to recognize the resurrected Christ as he opens our minds. In verses 36 through 49, I'm just going to get through this really quickly and get to the Lord's Supper. But he does say something. He appears to the eleven and to the others And as these Emmaus disciples are relating their experience, it says in verse 45 that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And in in chapter 24, we're being treated to many divine things. God is divinely keeping those Emmaus disciples from seeing him. God is divinely opening up the scriptures so that they can understand the resurrection apart from physical evidence. Then he opens up their eyes to see the physical evidence. God then opens up their minds in this text to understand the what? The law and the prophets and the Psalms. And Jesus says all of this, all of this, Let's, be, let's, get on, let's get right there. See? See there where it says New Testament? All of this, this part, is about me. All of it. I'm come to show you and reveal to you that all this Old Testament is about me. And we could go through Isaiah 53, and we could go through Psalm 22, and we could go through Psalm 16, and we could go through Isaiah 52 and 53, and we could lay it all out. Jesus is saying, it's all about me. And then he says, I'm going to have you go out and preach, and here's what I want you to preach. I want you to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Well, before we take the Lord's Supper, let me ask you, are you recognizing the resurrected Christ today? As he opening up the scriptures and showing you, listen, they these men they wrote down things they really saw. They saw. John says, We beheld him, we fellowshiped with him, we handled him, we were with him. It's really real stuff. These guys wrote about real things, and you and I have the Bible to tell us all about it. Repentance means turn to, to Jesus. I wrote this in my notes, and I'm not going to let it go, okay? I'm going, to let, I'm going to tell you what I wrote here. You do not need a new car. You do not need a new Congress. You do not need new gun control legislation. You do not need a new senator. You do not need a new, a new president. We may want all of that. But what you really need is a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. You need a new heart. You need a love for Jesus. You need to be saying, stay with me. All the time. All the time. Even at 345 when people are in the hospital. You need to say, stay with me. We need Christ. 
Well, as we turn to the Lord's Supper this morning, let me read to you the words of institution. and It's always good for us to hear this. Listen what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, you know, every week, every week, here, here, this is, the, this is the, what the preacher does. The preacher preaches the old, old story about Jesus and his love. But he preaches the, the, the old, old story about Jesus and his love from all different texts of the Bible. He preaches from Luke this morning. And today, in the afternoon, he's going to preach about Jesus from 1 Samuel 6. And the reason we need that is because we need the spice. We need the spice of life. We need to have different parts of our brain hit at different ways so that we don't grow, um, you know, go to sleep while the preacher's preaching because I heard that last week, right? So we want different. We want creative. We want new, different text. But on the other hand, we all need routine, don't we? We all love patterns and habits, don't we? And at this table you see hands they're they're not jesus literal hands they're my hands but you need to see past these hands to jesus hands i'm going to go to do a wedding in a few weeks and at the end you know what we say it's the institution of marriage it's something that god instituted and so when we say at the end of the wedding we say let God who joined these two people together, let no man put us... Who, put, who, who brought them together? I thought it was the minister. No, God brings them together. God brought you together with Bud. Aren't you happy, Bud? Um, God brings us together. And Jesus is the one who gives us these elements. Watch the sequence. These guys, they understood it was Jesus because of the hands. And this is a comforting thing to see Jesus give us this bread and wine. Well, today as we go through this, this pattern, I want you to think about the fact that Jesus feeds us his body and his blood. Spiritually, he gives himself to us in the elements. When we eat them with faith in our hearts, we receive God's grace So let's eat and drink and be comforted. And as we do, let's examine ourselves first. Because what we're doing is not a trivial thing. It's a very important thing. So we ought to examine our hearts first. There were those in Paul's day who ate in an unworthy way and they became weak. Some of them were sick and some of them even died. So we should at least examine ourselves before we eat today. And if you're not a believer, I'm going to ask that you let the the plates pass in front of you. But I want you to participate. And here's how. I want you to think about, has Jesus Christ opened the Scriptures up to you? Has Jesus Christ shown you that He's right here? He's showing Himself to us and revealing Himself to us in the bread and the wine and that He is here to save. First, come to Christ, then we'll come to the table. This morning, if you're a Christian and you are unwilling to repent of a sin, 
then I would ask you to let the trays pass in front of you. But isn't it interesting that this passage tells us that these disciples, they sure didn't want Jesus to depart from them? Why not repent of your sin? This, he says, is for you, Christian. Get rid of the sin, turn away from the sin, and eat with Jesus this morning. And for every sincere believer, this is for you. This is, this is for you. This is for me. Based on first-hand testimony, this person died for you. This person rose from the dead for you. This person forgives you of your sins. This person is the one who feeds us now. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to eat and drink with Jesus. And we pray, Lord, as we do so, that we would strike hands with him and re-ratify this covenant and this love. We thank you that he gives himself to us. And, Lord, as we eat and drink, we give ourselves back to you. May we turn away from all sin. May we hunger and thirst for doing your will. And, Lord, as we do your will today, help us take in what Jesus gives. Remind us of, and give us great comfort and strengthen us as we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.